This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. And in a shocking break from tradition, it is Saturday night. We named the um, podcast the Blue Monday podcast. Then gradually, as Joe does the Wigfield Saturday night dance, which is why you should always come and watch on YouTube. um, Then we started recording on Sunday. Now we're recording on Saturday. But what we're going to attempt tonight is um, a live Saturday night kind of post-match podcast, which does mean... You can get involved. We will go um, by the normal structure. So we won't do much in terms of news, but we'd love to get your thoughts um, as Joe gives his analysis of the game. Um, Richard should be arriving um, inebriated about halfway through the show. We I, think. I did drive past him on the way home early. So I did honk my horn at him and he looked shocked. But in fairness, it was quite loud and right in his ear. You didn't deliberately drive for a puddle next to him? No, no, it hadn't rained, sadly. (laughs) Uh, So please do get involved. So we'll go um, low on news, essentially. We're going to go straight into today's game. But we must just say um, hello first off to uh, Joe Fares. Joe, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, good. Always, Always happier after three points on Saturday evening. It always makes the beer taste a little bit sweeter. Kind of binary, isn't it? It's just a good night after a, after a win on a Saturday. We're not we're not normally in this. Although we did do, I suppose, the um, post game <coughs> shows on midweeks, but they they often didn't turn out too well, didn't they? I don't know what our what our batting average was on. Yeah, it was on... tough. Oh, come and talk to us about Northampton free Ipswich nil. <laughs> well, those Wimbledon ones free Ipswich nil. <laughs> those ones were pretty entertaining because people were so furious, and um, we did our group therapy sessions. But do. Say hello, get your thoughts in um, on today's game, get your questions in. We'll try not to make it um, uh, too much of a problem for those listening after the fact on um, podcasts, but we do want to encourage those people who are involved right now to get involved and we'll say hello to a few of them there, Charlie, Michael, um, Skip on the screen there. Joe, it was 
um, Ipswich Town 2, Shrewsbury 1. Before we even touch this one, um, does this kind of fall into those category of games that we've had since we've been in League 1 of... Um, and I know opposition fans hate us when we say things like this, but of, you know, we should we should win this game if all's going well. Well, we we have to win it. Am I, am I, can you hear me now quickly? Very clearly, yeah, you're okay, great. Okay, yeah. So my microphone has been a bit silly. Yeah, you, you've, especially with with the start we've had, which, which is sort of the two wins in 10 games, the 10 points from 10 games. If there's any chance of us doing anything this season, Shrewsbury at home, and then Cambridge away next week are just two games you simply have to win. We we need to, within the next seven, eight, nine games, be up to at least one and a half points per game to go from there. So Shrewsbury at home, they're sort of second bottom of the league. And I said, no excuses. And I'm, I think Paul Cook knew that that's the case as well. When you read in the comments, both from him and Mark Ashton in the programme today, they know that the pressure's on and they know they needed to win. And we did win. Yeah, and again, if any Trues fans uh, do happen to catch this on YouTube, that's in no way patronising to your club. But Joe's totally right. If if our club wants a realistic, like you say, move into the top half and then in theory into um, into playoffs, then uh, it's a game uh, you well, want to... Well, let's say Shrewsbury are 23rd in the table at the moment. So their, their goal this season is surely now make sure that they stay up and... The, the difference between going up and staying down isn't going to be getting points away at Ipswich it's, it, and other more hopeful promotion contenders. It's about picking up points against their sort of direct rivals. And that that will still shake out until Christmas time, essentially, um, won't it? Uh, right. Keep your comments coming in. We'll get into some specifics and then um, we'll really major on uh, these about sort of 20 or 25 minutes into the show. Um, Joe, pretty much expected 11 beings. I suppose some some questions we were asking about the goalkeeper, but um, given that we knew Bursant Selina was not going to be um, around, um, I'll read the 11 and then you give me your thoughts on it. Uh, Hladke in goal, Penny and Danassian, the fullbacks, Edmondson and Burgess, the centre-backs, Double pivot of Evans and Morsey. Fraser inside left, Burns inside right. Chaplin starts at 10. And can I call him a goal machine? I think I can. Without a doubt. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. The goal machine. <laughs> McCauley Bond um, up top. Get your thoughts in on the 11 in the chat. Would you have done anything different? And Joe Fares, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the I, I don't think anyone was really expecting any changes other than Burst and Salinas. And... I think we'd all agreed that, that was going to be the case. And it, it was Connor Chaplin or Kyle Edwards, really. I know I listened on a preview show. I think Rich and Mikey thought it would be Kyle Edwards. But I just thought from Tuesday's game, Kyle Edwards just didn't look quite at it. And Connor Chaplin looked really good in there as a 10. So I thought that it was it was going to be sort of Connor Chaplin. And it did turn out to be the case on that. And I think subsequently it proved to be the right decision because I thought he was probably our man of the match today. I'm very binary on this, Joe. In my head, that championship player of the month that Chaplin won for Barnsley, I just can't get that out of my head when I'm judging on him in League One, that you've essentially got the championship player of the month from not that long ago playing in League One. And um, I, I saw a thing of Alex Ferguson talking to the UFC fight. We were talking about this the other day, saying you've got, you've got to start your best players. And I just, in my head, I just can't see the season going on 
much longer without Chaplin essentially becoming a, a first team. Do you yeah, agree? I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get to it in the comments, sort of later on in the show with the questions. But there was a couple of people on the on the phone and on Radio Suffolk after the game talking about who is that free going to be behind and where I sit. We were sort of trying to work out that during the game as well. What is that best free behind? Well, Bond effectively at the moment, not behind the strikers, behind Bond, isn't it? Yeah, get your thoughts in. Um, don't get emotional about sofa score ratings. They're calculated by an algorithm. No emotion goes into them. Do not reply with any emotion because um, it doesn't work that way. Um, on the bench, Holly Enciala, Edwards, who you mentioned, Aluko, El Mazzuni, uh, Harper and Piggott. Um, I was, with uh, regards to the bench, just quickly, that, that yeah, was something on. that I was talking about in the game and it did turn out to be the case. But I don't really understand why we don't have... Kane Vincent Young on the bench, or even Luke Wolfen in the head of Enciala, because I, I was saying during the game, if one of the fullbacks gets injured, what is going to happen? And subsequently, Matt Penny did go off injured, and we end up with Toto Enciala playing right back, and it's a, <laughs> a sort of a strange way to go there. But I don't understand why. I say you've got a Luco, Harper, um, Edwards, El, Elmerzin. They they can all sort of play in that position behind the strikers, but. Defensively, you've got one player, and that is just an out-and-out centre-back. So, it, I, I don't know, it just seems strange to not have Vincent Young, bearing in mind that if a centre-back goes off injured, Donatian could go into the centre and you're not really that any weaker. But maybe Cook, after seeing Enciala play right-back, has learned his lesson a little bit on that one. <laughs> and we'll see next week. Not that Toto did anything wrong, but I mean, was, you uh, can... he's not really a flying I... full-back in the Paul Cook mould, is he? I'll try and read Paul Cook's mind, Joe. Other than it being an injury, the only thing I can possibly suggest is he's um, hell-bent on um, Kevin Keegan's style. And when we, when we talk about the um, the goals for and against when we analyse the league table, he, he just considers that um, he wants as many match-winner op, you know, options as possible. But yeah, I, can, I can't come yeah. up with it. That doesn't feel like a very sensible argument. No, either, I, I think Harper's the odd man out there, really, isn't he? Because... Cook has sort of said he sees him as a 10 rather than one of the two deeper players. So Elmazuni covers that role. And then you've got Aluko and Edwards and Harper covering the roles behind it. But you've also got Chaplin and Fraser who are all versatile and can play centrally if they need to. So strange one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I can only think, um, given your assessment, that he, he's, he wasn't ready to be on on the bench. Um, the Shrewsbury team under um, good old Steve Cotterill. Uh, Morosi in goal, who I saw at Coventry last season. Matt Pennington, who we um, know all about. Um, Ethan Ebanks-Landell. Aaron Pierre. I remember seeing Shrewsbury um, a couple of times with their gigantic back three that they um, built on. Uh, Nurse, Lay, Davis and Bennett. You can still find him, um, sort of the um, wing-backs uh, in central midfield there. Uh, Sean Wally, who was the chap who got sent off a couple of games ago at Portman Road, wasn't he? Mm. Um, and Ryan Bowman and Daniel Udo um, up top. And, um, Joe, my understanding is that um, up until taking the lead through Connor Chaplin on 23 minutes, so bang on, a quarter of the game, it was a pretty dominant display. Can you take me up to that first goal? Um, guys, get your thoughts on in the comments and we'll read some of them out in the chat. Um, and, you know, what sounded like um, a very good performance up to that point. Yeah, we, we, we were playing relatively well until that point. We sort of were moving the ball quite well. We were sort of trying to stretch to that, maybe not moving as quickly as we maybe should do. 
but they, they were very sort of defensive. I know that sort of says three, four, one, two when you look at it, but it was more sort of five, three, one, one when you, when it actually yeah. sort of came down to it. It was a really, really defensive setup from them. But we just, I know we sort of worked it quite well a few times without really creating a huge amount, and then sort of a couple of nice sort of balls into the box, which which didn't go from there. And then it turned out sort of the goal does come from one of those balls into the box where we've worked it wide and it's sort of Matt Penny swinging over a deep cross. Really, there's only one man in there to aim at and it's Macaulay Bond and he he picks him out. It's a brilliant header from Bond and like I said, we thought it was in and then the keeper claws it out and there's Connor Chaplin, sort of Johnny on the spot just to smash it home and it's probably, maybe we weren't banging on the door but it was deserved to go, go ahead at that point. Can I be a bit cantankerous, Joe? I read a lot of comments about 4-4 F in two and players in the box. Um, this is the number nine heading at goal and the number 10 following in where the mythical second striker that um, certain um, aspects of the fan base would love to see. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit um, a bit sarcastic about it, but do you take my point? Yeah, but, but also... If you were to look at our sort of heat maps or whatever, but Connor Chaplin was playing as a striker, really. It, he wasn't really playing as a 10 at that point. They were, when right. you looked at it, they, they were playing as a front two for a lot of that first half. There you go. Just bring it up on the other screen, Joe. I think they'll, it skews slightly left, but very much um, uh, inside the penalty box for um, a lot of his touches by the look of it, Joe. Yeah. No, no, he was he was good today. He was He was the one player getting on the ball and trying to sort of, link play between the midfield and the attack, which you'd expect him to. Uh, this fascinates me now because um, we 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 discuss something that we have to discuss a hell of a lot, which nobody can see, which is um, a mentality or a fragility or a, a confidence or what, what have you, because um, Shrewsbury are going to equalise pretty much, um, well, five minutes removed from the, from the first goal. And... Um, talk to me about the goal, Joe, but I'm kind of more interested in the effect of the goal then on the mentality of the players afterwards as well. Well, it was almost like our goal affected our mentality. That As soon as we scored, we seemed to drop deeper and deeper. And Oh, interesting. What, prior to the Yeah, prior the, play, to the, the play really slowed down and we sort of gave, were able to give them a sort of a foothold back into the game. And then... I say it's it's a sort of long ball that well sort of a cross field pass really that wins a header and Sam Morsey just isn't isn't quite strong enough. I think he there's a little kick there and I think it's I one think of those it's ones Joe, he's that... expecting a bigger kick and he's preparing himself to go down and draw what we would all say is a clever foul and it it doesn't really come, does it? No, there's not quite enough there. And Wally just sort of just gets ahead of him and just curls a left foot sharp right behind it. Kladke has absolutely zero chance of getting there it just flies in it's a really good goal but sort of Shrewsbury just sort of come out their shell a little bit and we just I don't know we just let them and we just we just carried on like that but um we, we just went from there and then from there till half time it was really really poor the pace that we moved the ball at the intensity I said Cameron Burgess I thought sort of without trying to pick on one player individually I just thought he, he, he just moves the ball so slowly and it just kept it just ended up back at his feet and he played to Penny but by the time it sort of got there, we didn't really have any chance and it was slow. And then we'd get a free kick and we'd be at a, a throw in and we'd meander over to take the throw. And it's like, come on, get, try and get back on the front foot here. And interesting, you listen to Paul Cook on Radio Suffolk after the game and far from coming out with an effusive sort of interview after that performance, it was no 23 minutes. We played really well 
And then what happened after that, I don't know. It's mentality. We didn't show the right mentality. And he was sort of very um, critical of his side. And like I say, and, and I think it was, and I think deservedly so, because we, we were all sitting there in the stands thinking, this is rubbish, really, from the mm. point that they scored. It's like something needs to happen at half time. And it did. Cook, Cook had obviously seen the same things that we were seeing in the ground, which is obviously what you want to know as a fan, what you want to see that the manager is seeing, what you're seeing. He'd obviously given them a rocket up at half time because they came out and they looked a different side in the second half. Yeah. Um, how can I phrase this without upsetting everybody? A- again, we're d- struggling to cope with um, what I would call good lower division football again. I know Sammy Morsey got in in um, trouble with his comments, but this idea of a diagonal ball on top of the fullback and you know winning winning a header in in that area is kind of what. Um, got Shrewsbury up the pitch and, and sort of created that chance, wasn't it, Joe? Um, yeah. It's more just... just struggling to deal with setbacks is what I find the issue as. As soon as we have a setback... Well, can I, can I just read Steve's question and you can... I think you can go down that rabbit hole you were going to go down there, Joe. Um, first 25 minutes and last 15 minutes, best movement I've seen for ages. Do you think we are complacent when we take the lead? Now, I'm, look, um, I'm commenting from afar today, so I'll bow to Steve's... Uh, superior knowledge and Joe's and Richard's when he comes on. I was going to be under the impression that the um, air was sucked out of the stadium but by the goal. But from what you've said and what Steve said, it's it's a nervousness about being a goal up, right? Yeah. And like I said, I don't, I don't think it's complacency. I just think we just, it's almost like a panic. Like we, we, we don't know whether we want to try and go for a second goal or whether we just, it's almost like we just want to sit back and hope a second goal happens as opposed to, actively go out and try and score one because we're so sort of fearful of let, letting one in sometimes. But no, it's a it's very strange. And sort of that Portman Road this year, we've, we've seen everything. We've seen us sort of going behind in games and scoring late equalisers. We've seen us going ahead in games like MK Dons and conceding equalisers. We've got 2-0 up against Wimbledon and conceded two goals to equalise. And we've gone, like I said, behind at Morecambe. Sort of, and, and we just... There's, there, there isn't really been a game state other than that sort of Doncaster game where we felt comfortable at any point. Right, where yeah, yeah, we yeah. probably should do whether we're sort of two nil up or two nil down. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't sort of, you don't Although, seem to know where to go. But everyone just get. Everyone just starts moving the ball around slowly, and I think it's. I think it's fear of making a mistake sometimes that everyone's content to play the easy ball, but once you've played ten easy balls in a row, you end you end up in a position where you're sort of nearer your own goal than their goal. Somebody then has to try and sort of do something with it, and you end up just giving it away and allow, allowing them to come onto you. Yeah, um, I was just really interested in what you're saying about game state, Joe, because it feels like um, a pretty comfortable game state is nil nil at um, you know at kickoff and you know going mm. forward. They're they're kind of more comfortable at nil nil, sort of trying to make the play than um, than uh, perhaps uh, when they've taken the lead. And um, we've got a couple of comments on that. Uh, Noel. Um, spot on a weird collective panic um, bod. If we got two nil up, then then we walk it. Yet again, we get the opposite of sniff and make it hard. Agreed on um, both of them. Uh, Joe, you said um, about Paul Cook spotting stuff and it looking better um, after half time. What did you mean by that? Well, I, I just think you could tell that the they needed sort of either someone to instill some confidence in them or tell them basically just to play higher up the pitch because there was a spell sort of 15, 20 minutes in the second half where 
the centre-backs are five yards inside their half and the whole game is just played there. And every time they get the ball back, all they can do is give it straight back to us. And we just keep going and keep going. And it wasn't it wasn't like we were creating a huge amount of chances because we were. We should have been creating more, really. But they just they, they just didn't have a kick, really, at us. And like I, I think you just showed on the sofa score the sort of attacking... The who, who attacking. Yeah, bring it up. I yeah. say when, when you see the sort of second half on there, it's just all us, and we just, I say we just kept them. I say from the start of the second half, we just dominated the game from that point on, and bar a sort of five minute spell where nothing really happened, we we were just totally on top there, and yeah, the intensity did drop, but it didn't drop like it did in the first half. It dropped because maybe the players were running out of energy a little bit rather than just running out of ideas. Sure. Um, if you're watching in the um, chat right now, get your questions in. We'll just wrap up the second half and then we'll go to some of your questions. So um, stick your questions in the chat and we'll get involved with them. Joe, the equaliser comes and um, a good old set play on 54, Lee Evans to Macaulay Bond. Go figure. Um, do you know what I thought when I saw this goal? And I'm not comparing the two players. I thought of um, David Johnson who would sort score all types of goals, but would like pop up with a header like that from a set play. And you'd be like, oh, which of our centre-halves has stuck that one in? Oh, uh, Johnson scored that one as well, didn't he? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Talk me through um, uh, yeah, that no, goal. No, I, I said that to the guy in front of me, just reminds me of... He, he said he reminds... Macaulay Bond reminds him of John Walton. I think he does in general play that he likes to... He's bigger than you realise, and he likes to sort of leave one on the centre-backs a bit. Sort of have a word of them and get in their, get in their ears, but the goal is just like I say, it just comes alive and the ball's in the box like David Johnson used to do. And this one's a brilliant header, just makes that run onto the front post. Good corner from Evans, but it's a brilliant header. It's one of those real sort of towering leaps and just the flicks flicks on. And like I say, even if you have someone on the post and it will stop that because it's so well directed into that corner. And and what was great as well in the in the video he did with the young girl Maddie. Yeah, we got um, a couple of comments on. Yeah, on... He, he said if he if he scored if he scored a goal, he'd come and see her. He said that the young disabled girl, and when he scored the goal, you can see he just went straight out to picked her out, blew her a kiss, and went there. And it's like, oh, <laughs> awesome. he's a real great guy. And like I say, I'm sure every Ipswich fan wants it, but we've just yes. got to tie him down on a sort of. You've got to tie him down on a permanent deal, don't you? Whatever it takes, I think. Let's just yeah. raid the um, pension fund for a few more million quid to ensure <laughs> that McCauley Bond stay Ipswich for the rest of his career. Uh, get your questions in the chat, please, for the next segment. I know we've got a few on Twitter, but uh, please um, fire them up there before we get to that part of the um, show. So, yeah, Macaulay Bond, ninth goal of the season, eighth goal in the past seven games, um, and a goal every 84 minutes. So better than a goal a game um, at League One level. Um, everybody wants a, <laughs> wants a striker like that in their team. Um Joe, you've you've kind of mentioned um sort of how we've struggled to play at one goal ahead. How how was it at two one and um sort of talk to me about the changes we saw Edwards um NCR you've already mentioned for injury and uh Piggott come in. How did we see this one out? Um we, we were pretty comfortable really. We 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 kept on the front foot and we kept pushing but sort of what just went from there, just kept pushing and pushing but not not desperately pushing, but it was sort of a game of sort of poor refereeing decisions from that point on. There was a there was a long there was a sort of nice ball over the top. I think it was Lee Evans that played, or maybe Scott Fraser that played it into uh, Macaulay Bond, who had the run on the 
I think it was Ebanks e. Landell had the run on him. Ebanks Landell just sort of puts an arm out and the ball juggles on his arm and the ref somehow doesn't give it as a what I assume would have been a red card as well because it because Bomb was in. They go down the other end 30 seconds later and it looked a looked a penalty to Shrewsbury after that. Late late in the game, Scott Fraser. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a dive, it went down very easily, but he insisted on the radio it wasn't. And I've seen a couple of people sitting on iFollow said no, he was kicked, but he got booked for that. There's a couple of other challenges in there. I say Elliot Bennett defended very well against Kyle Edwards a couple of times. Kyle Edwards must have been fouled five times in the 15 minutes he had on the pitch. He's just unplayable at times. But no, no, it was a bar the sort of the one penalty shout. Shrewsbury didn't didn't trouble us at all. So we managed we managed the game well that way, just by sort of having sort of positive territory and positive possession of the ball rather than rather than anything like sniffing it out time wasting. We were sort of just positive with the ball and kept it there and kept them in their half really, which is what you want to do. Yeah. Um my take on these refereeing decisions is um at least he was lenient in all cases. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where the the you know the possible foul on uh, Morsi before the goal, he did he didn't give it. You know, all those penalty shouts, he didn't give it. So sometimes it gets a bit more infuriating. Look, it's, and it's very difficult to have a conversation about referees without um, club bias um, rendering it completely not credible within about five seconds because everyone thinks every decision goes against their team, don't they? But um, at least, I guess, Joe, um, he was kind of lenient in all cases. But yeah, um, so could being lenient, I guess, if you're not making the correct uh, the correct calls. Yeah, whether they're trying to level things out, you don't know. But it's uh, but well, it was never a, admit that either. It was a brilliant display. But Steve Cottrell, I haven't read his comments after the game, but he he was over there giving the ref pelters after the game for ages. I just think, well, yeah, he's missed one of yours, but he's missed two of ours. <laughs> We sort of totally dominate the game, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen him all closely, but we'll see. Yeah, keep your questions coming in, guys. There's a few um, at the moment um, on uh, Steve Cottrell. That's often more for the um, for like the Shrewsbury fans, isn't it? Rather than yeah. you know, it's, it's building that um, sort of siege mentality that you've talked about. Um, the brilliant um, way Sam Allardyce managed to do that um, and still keep a narrative going 21 years later about a certain yeah. game, but we won't. Well, there was one thing I saw that. from Steve Cottrell about Ryan Bowman that he said he because he, he went off injured, but um there was no he, he didn't seem to we didn't seem to know why he went down, but he came out and said that he'd had a heart rate of 250 beats per minute or something like that. So they had to take him off precautionary and get him oh, across God. the hospital. So hopefully the greatest bowman yeah. is okay after that and we'll be we'll be fine. And it was just nothing more than just a strange issue. But yeah, ho- hopefully mm. he's fine with that. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed for um Fingers crossed for him. So uh, let's just bang through some of these numbers, Joe, and see if it kind of backs up with your eye test. Look, 71% on the possession, eight shots to five, only three to two on target, four corners to two, all of the big numbers in our favour. I suppose um, the pleasing one is zero big chances conceded, only one created. So you can, you know, you'd like a bit more of a, a gap in that. But um, if you look at the numbers in isolation, and I always say that with a caveat because someone will pipe up. Ah, nah, 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 nah. If you look at the numbers in isolation, um, it it looks like a viable win nine times out of ten. If you um, if you replay that game state, yeah, without a doubt, that was a 
bog standard one to two goal victory performance and deserved. Absolutely. Right. Um, let's have a look at the um, league table. Keep your questions uh, coming in. We're going to get to them um, very, very imminently. Uh, Plymouth have um, jumped to the top of the table um, with Wickham in second place. I pause on those two teams because um, in four and five games time, we have those two away from home within the space of uh, four days. The current play five one five top two. Right. Yeah. Um, I think above us, I'm just scanning through. I know Sheffield Wednesday won today. Burton obviously lost. Uh, Pompey definitely didn't play because we saw uh, Danny Cowley at the stadium. So we find ourselves in 14th uh, position uh, with my glass incredibly half full. That is two points off the top half, which is, I guess, if you're going to climb the table, the first you know, the first baby step to make. Six points off the uh, playoff positions. And um, we were in a position where, well, we can see we are in a position where only Cambridge, uh, Fleetwood and Doncaster um, below us and Wigan and Sunderland above us have played fewer games. Um, they're really good number and take performances because I know there's been a couple of bangers um, in these five, but 10 points in five games. And that's is... it's the Bolton game as well, where we lost 5-2. So that was that's 10 points in five since then. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we we know full well that if you have four or five, 10 points in five games in, um, you know, not sure order, you will be moving up the table if you're anywhere near that uh, two points per game. Um, four wins in six in all competitions. We try and make head nor hair out of these um, pizza cup games. But I can come and sit here and say four wins in six because of the victory against Gillingham. So um, it, it was quite funny because on um, in the post-match interview, Brennan Woolley was interviewing Scott Fraser and he said, oh, you've got back-to-back victories now. And he was like, what, back-to-back home games? Like, <laughs> a back-to-back victory. like, the Gillingham game. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Almost like that was a reserve team game that didn't count for anything. Well, there'll be a few players. When he said probably... back-to-back victories, I was thinking he was talking about winning the Cambridge game next week to get back-to-back victories. I oh, totally okay. forgot about the Gillingham game as well. Um, in terms of these goal-scoring and conceding numbers, um, nobody in the division has now scored more than um, Town. MK are tied up. Um, there's only a couple of teams who have conceded uh, more. I can see Accrington, Pompey, uh, yes, Cheltenham. And I believe that um, Jules on Sky, who sits in for Jeff Stelling, said at home, um, and I think I'm correct on this, mo- out of anyone in the 92, most goals scored and most goals conceded. So Portman Road is like the goal cap. It's like um, QPR under Mark Warburton, isn't it? It's like the, the goal capital. Um, Joe, I've tried to put an incredibly positive spin. How do you read that league table first off? And um, can I get excited about two points per game across five games? Yeah, well, it's, pro- it's probably the best it's looked at probably at any point this season. It's probably the best it's looked from there, which I know isn't saying a lot. But like I say, it's, it's difficult because you look, at the, you look at the games we've won and it's Doncaster at home, Shrewsbury at home, two games you've simply got to win. Even if you're in a relegation battle, they're two games you want to try and win. So while it's 10 points from five games, which is exactly what we needed post-Bolton, I think until we can turn that into a good 18, 20 points over 10 games, I don't think it 
really means anything as yet. So we go to Cambridge and win next Saturday, and I think that's we're still probably in the realms of what's expected. And then it's Portsmouth away, and then it's uh, can we can we get a win there? Because like I said we we need to start picking the low hanging fruit of the division, and I think today was one of those. I think Cambridge away is one of those where you've just simply got to win if you've got any sort of aspirations of challenging at the very top of the table. So. It's a, today, today was almost a bit of a lose-lose situation because yeah, if, right, if yeah. you win, it's just seen as, well, you should have won anyway. Are you just papering over the cracks? Is momentum changing? And if you lose, then it's an emergency alarms going off. Is Paul Cook's job safe? Bloody blah. So all we could do today was win. And that was that, and that's what we've done. And we've got 10 points for five games. And we move up five places in the table and we increase our positive goal difference. So... You just have to take it for what it is, and like I say, but you can, you, it's, no, I don't think anyone's sitting there thinking, "Oh, we've cracked it now." Since that Bolton game, we've got things sorted because while ten, while we've had ten points for five games, the Accrington performance was so poor. Except for Wednesday at home, we sort of nicked a point there, so it's not, true, it's not true. been a, it's not been a very flowing ten points for five games. But it doesn't need to be. If we get ten points from the next five games, then we'll be even higher up the table. I think everyone will be saying, "Yep, yeah, Cook has turned the corner," and off we go. Yeah, and we'll talk about those five games in a sec. Joe, is it still a relevant conversation now? The conversation we had across the last two seasons and statistics about never beating anybody in the top six. You just used the term low-hanging fruit. It does still feel like a relevant conversation that, especially with a a Pompey, Plymouth, Wickham, etc. coming up, and we said this for the longest time, if you're not in the top two, you're in the playoffs, ergo, you have to be across three games, two teams that have finished between third and sixth. And you kind of want to see some evidence of, of that. Is that still a relevant conversation? Well, I, think, I think it's more relevant this year because we've dropped so many points against teams that you wouldn't expect to be in that sort of top eight to 10. We've dropped points at Morecambe. We've dropped points versus AFC Wimbledon. We've dropped Cheltenham. points at Accrington. We've dropped points Cheltenham, Burton. I don't think we'd expect any of those teams to be in the top eight come the end of the season. And, I'd say we, we, we've dropped because we've dropped points from those. We can't then not get the wins against the top teams, or we're just going to be nowhere. Where Lambert had a, for all his faults, he did have a pretty impeccable record against the teams in the sort of bottom six to eight of the season. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. 
for about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Um, keep your questions coming in. We're going to start going to them now. I think we'll expect Richard at some point so we can get his take on the action, see if it matches up um, with Joe's. Um, Charlie asks um, a question that we have to address quite often and completely understandably. Um, will Bon become permanent? And where, where are we with this now, um, Jokers? Essentially, the... Yeah, right. Uh, for those listening on pod, Joe's crossing his fingers. Um, what is going to be, if you're Macaulay Bond's agent, um, what is going to be the state of play with a player who's clearly going to be sought after now because he's scoring goals? And what is most attractive to Macaulay Bond? And is a permanent move to Ipswich um, alongside, I don't know, who's halfway up the championship? Bristol City um, sticking in a bid for him. Well, I think like Macaulay Bond has continued to live in Ipswich for his whole career, where, wherever he's been based, he's continued to live here. So there is definitely an element of what sort of in American sports they call a hometown discount, where you stay mm. with your team and rather than signing a contract for ten million a year and going to a different team, you might sign one for nine million a year to stay where you are. So, but the 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 offers have to be in the same stratosphere, if that makes sense. You, He's not going to sign here for six grand a week if he can get 26 grand a week somewhere else. No. And goal scorers are always going to be sort of worth big money. So that, that, that's what it comes down to, really. It's it's how close. Can we can we get a deal done before anybody else tries to? Is is sort of point number one. Can we can we get this deal done now effectively to come in for, for the January window? So we just we sort of stop any of these questions in the bud. We decide we want him as our long-term number 18. And, <laughs> and, Twice um, as good as a number nine, yeah? We, we just want him as a, as a long-term thing up front. He he agrees to it. He signs a long-term contract on a decent wage that suits it. Or do we just have to let the season play out and see where we are at the end of it? Because if we get to the end of the season and he scored 30 goals, someone's going to come and offer a good, a good chunk of money. And... What what do we what happens then? Like I say, I'm sure he'd love to stay at Ipswich, and he's made no secret of that fact. But we just need to sort of try and get the deal done as quickly as possible when we could get him tied down for as long as possible. Uh, we'll bring Rich in and get his thoughts in in um, just a sec. I was just really interested while you were saying that um, about maybe a Championship team blowing us out of the water in terms of salary that can only be a parachute team. And then you wonder, because like, I don't see a bigger gap between what Wigan can offer or what Ipswich or Sunderland can offer compared to, uh, again, Peterborough. Um, or what he's earning already at QPR, ball. isn't it? He's yeah, yeah, or what he's already making at, um, at QPR indeed. So, yeah, um, lots of stuff on Bond. Right, let's bring uh, Richard in. Um, Rich, we're we're mid questions, but let's just get your um, take um, just on the game. I think um, Joe's been sort of fairly fairly positive, you know, fairly viable um, performance, and we're um, 
exalting the values of 10 points across five games with lots of caveats that, you know, there's 10 points and there's 10 points. But um, uh, what, was, what was your take on um, today? Yeah, I, I can understand that statistically on paper, this is a, a good outcome. Obviously, we're not going to grumble about getting wins. I guess if you were to score it a win out of 10, you know, Doncaster was a 10 out of 10. Today was nowhere near a 10 out of 10, was it? It was more of a, a 6 out of 10 kind of winning performance, if that makes sense. I think my personal reflections is I was I was hoping for more evidence of the gelling and perhaps the absence of Selena made that difficult today. I, I've, I've seen and heard post-match um, conversations with Fraser and I'm not surprised that he's a little bit frustrated that he's not being used in the position where he did so well for MK Dons, but Chaplin came in today and did well. Obviously, just, scored. Just quickly, Rich, I, um, sorry to interrupt, but yes, I, I was him on Radio Suffolk, but he was saying that MK Dons he played on, on the left hand side as an eight on the left hand side. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise 10. me. So he was saying he was playing as a left hand side on an eight, and now he's been asked to play more as an inside, an inside sort of in that inside channel there. So it's a number eleven. We, we all seem <laughs> to think he was playing as a ten at MK Dons, but he was saying no, he was sort of. In a, in a free, he was the sort of left of the eights there, effectively. So, an interesting one there. And we just don't play with those in our formation, do we? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, it, you know, we, we spoke about Louis Barry midweek, didn't we, Ben? About, you know, uh, is he overrated or underused? And, and again, I think he, he feels in a similar pattern. I mean, not that it's not that it's a specific issue of, of today's game, necessarily. It just seemed to me that that configuration with Selena in there with Burns seemed to work better, didn't it? But I think, yeah, we take we take the win, don't we? We take the three points. Um, but we spoke on the pre-match at great length in, in similar fashion to how we spoke about Doncaster, about how today shouldn't be a, you know, there's no excuses today. And I just felt that we were a little bit wanting, unfortunately. But we take the win and we move on, as Mick would say. We, we go on to Cambridge, don't we, and hope to continue the form. Because as you say, on paper, um, I think in the last few matches, it's kind of two points a game-ish, isn't it? So you can't grumble at that. Um, you just no, hope for I, more, given what I think if you listen to Cook's post-match as well, he he's very much of that same opinion that he was not happy at all with the performance, especially sort of after we scored the goal in the first half. So Yeah, the second well, half of the first half, we were yeah, particularly poor. Yeah. When, when you walk out of the game... And if we haven't played that well, but we've won, you, you don't want to hear the manager coming out saying you're brilliant. You want the manager no, to say it's, what he said today. It's a little bit chalk and cheese compared to Lambert, who probably would have said today was an amazing <laughs> yeah. win. I couldn't have asked for anything Brazil more. Brazil 1970 level of performance. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, just quickly, just a bit more from you, Rich. Uh, Joe was was quite high on the first um, the first 20 minutes. Are yeah. you concurring with that? Exactly. The first half was, was a half of two halves, wasn't it? And up to the point we scored... We were utterly dominant. I, I can't remember um, Shrewsbury having a touch in our half. Do you know what I mean? And and Edmondson and Burgess were camped out on the halfway line and we were utterly dominant, pushing forward. Um, and it just seemed to, the goal seemed to take the wind out of our sails, which is crazy. So because Joe was even saying pre-goal, like they yeah. th- that we scored. And I mean, I can't speak on this, you two can, but we scored and um, immediately kind of got a bit... Got a bit nervy. Anyway, we're yeah. mid-questions, Richard. So Sorry. Let's, let's, yes. No, no, no. You're good. Let's, let's throw one at you, in fact, because um, I think I know what Joe thinks about this. Uh, Michael, uh, with all of the ball our centre-halves have, is there a case for Wolfie, who is better on the ball, to be in the team? Now, look, obviously, um, and I'm trying to speak for Michael, he's not expecting us to have the equivalent of Rio Ferdinand in League One. But um, that part of the game... Um, and 
circulating the ball from centre half. If you're telling me they're way up the pitch, they'll bring their heat maps up where you where you answer. Um, would, would Wolfenden be better, or is he completely wedded to um, uh, Burgess and Edmonds and now? Yeah, I think I think he is. Uh, firstly, good day, Michael. Um, down in Brisbane. Um, hello to you. Good to see you on the on the live stream. Um, uh, yeah, I just think now there's the commitment to Burgess and Edmondson, which I think trumps uh, any other decision. And and I, I agree with Michael that I think there's always a, a case for Luke Wolfenden, um, particularly in a team that is seeking to play out. And today had a, the, the centre-backs had a lot of the ball and we saw it even against Sheffield Wednesday, a lot of passes between the two centre-backs. Right. So Wolfenden's a bit a bit more progressive than that. Two, over 200 touches between them. And, um, and yeah. Richard, you sat next to me um, at Wigan. And because we're such nerds, we were jokingly trying to guess how many touches Reese James had had because he seemed to be the yeah. only player on the pitch. And that was just over 100. So that is an absurdly high number of touches for both centre-halves to have. Yeah, but, I, I just found but, that Burgess sort of moves the ball so slowly as well, didn't he, in, in the second half? And, I know, I know that it gives you the balance of a right foot and a left footer, but I don't think, like I say, I, I think both Toto Enciala and Luke Wolfenden could be quite aggrieved that they're not in the team. Because I, I just, like I say, I know that we've signed these two players for one and a half million quid between them and we're probably paying them a lot of money. But it, it does seem that, I, I don't think they're a huge amount better than sort of Enciala and Wolfenden. And I think even on Tuesday night, you saw what Wolfenden can do with the ball where he, he can step forward into the midfield because... There was probably a 20-minute period in that, at the end of that first half where we did not commit a single body forward yeah. with the ball. We didn't step into midfield once. We didn't try and sort of beat a press or anything. All it was was Edmondson to Burgess. Burgess taking a touch, moving it across to Penny. Penny not really having any option but what to do with it and either coming back to Burgess. And, Joe, and can I just, push, can I just push back on that? Is Is there a certain amount of Shrewsbury who you described as five and then four sitting in a low block and against the better side, that possibly won't happen. It, it won't, but it has to, doesn't it? Otherwise, what what else can you do? The, the best teams in the league have to move the worst teams in the league off their spot, effectively. Mm. You can't just let them get back and pass the ball around slowly and say, oh, well, we can move it through then because because then they're, in, they're sort of in a good shape. Oh, all teams are organised now. They, they can all they all know when to press. They all have their triggers. They can, they can all move. And somebody has to take that risk and play the ball there and take a first-time touch around the corner. And it sort of invariably, it was when the ball went into Connor Chapman's feet, when we could work it there, that things did seem to come from there. I, I know we've got questions coming up, Ben, about, about Morsi. Um, I, I thought the central midfield today didn't really help us in trying to do something different to get through Shrewsbury. Unless, you know, a lot of it was down the flanks, wasn't it? The fullbacks. And I just think Wolfenden might have, you know, I, I, mm. I guess to, to Michael's question, I'm not advocating it for it at this stage because I just think we need to keep the selection as consistent as possible because this gelling that we keep talking about happens because you've got players familiar with where each other are going to be and so on. And, and that still looks embryonic even, even today for me. So I would persevere with that but I do think there was one instance where Edmondson took the ball forward a nice kind of gaping hole appeared for him and he ran through to it but that was that was one instance and I do think that if this doesn't really click and if our central midfielders don't get us up the pitch either then I think there's a case for Wolfenden to Michael's question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult isn't it because centre-backs are probably one of the only positions in the team where you don't sort of take a horses for courses approach like today you think oh we're playing through no we're have a lot of the ball so we'll keep them together and play them every there. week yeah Oh, we're away at Rotherham, so we we know we're going to get Michael Smith dominated against us. So we need to stick 
Cameron Burgess and Toto Entiala in there to try and deal with it. You just tend to pick your best partnership and, and hope it works, which is, I think, what Cook has done with Edmonton Burgess. That's what he sees as our best partnership. And they just need to grow and grow, really, don't they? Let me just read that just from Noel in the chat there. Feels more secure with Edmondson and Burgess. And um, in, in deference to Noel there, centre-half's first job is to, you know, be secure and keep the ball out of the, the net. And perhaps, this is my hope, I'm trying to persuade myself of this, there's enough quality down with those fullbacks advanced in, in such a way and with the inside forwards and hopefully getting three, four in the box at a time where maybe the defenders, maybe there won't be games where we're concerned about the centre-half circulating the ball. Guys, I'm going to go to another question and then we're going to talk about the next five fixtures. So if anyone's got questions about the next five fixtures and particularly um, I'm looking at Pompey away, Plymouth away, Wickham away. If anyone's got questions and thoughts on um, ben, can those... I have, can I have 15 seconds just on, yeah, on Noel's question? Because I, yeah, I can't disagree with Noel's point. He's, he's, he's spot on. I think the difference today, particularly in a game like today, is that the centre-backs were camped out on the halfway line and in, in a defensive sense really didn't have a, have a huge amount to do. And when you're up against a team that's going to sit back with all 11 pretty much behind the ball... You need every every different option you can get to get the ball forward, and I just don't think that configuration of those two necessarily is as as good as an option that Wolfenden might be for that. So I they, think they also like, both got booked, didn't they, for getting sort of spun quite badly? They did, yeah. But yeah, Noel's right. Obviously, the the, the issues defensively have definitely cleaned up um, in the last few weeks. Interesting. Let's just bring up Steve's question here. Um, one of my favourite things about this year is how we can replace a quality player with a player with equal quality. From the bench, that hasn't been a case for quite a while. I mean, Joe, he's he's obviously right. I know a lot of a lot of us get a bit anxious about. Oh, hang on, what's what's the team? Who's who's the best player? And then when we figure out what the team is, oh, who's getting left out? Why are they getting? Why are they well, getting left what I'm out? Sort of saying to the guy next to me or the guy in front of me is that. Right, well, can you imagine Rich being the guy half. next to Joe at the football? Okay? <laughs> I can. I've been there. You're in I've been there. That was very nice. <laughs> but, um, but um, Wes Burns, right at the start of the second half, he sort of seemed to, he, he made a run to the sideline and he sort of seemed in a lot of pain there. And, and I know he's managing an Achilles problem. And the next few minutes, he just wasn't getting into the game, was struggling to run with. And it's like, just get him off. Like, you've got Kyle Edwards sitting on the bench. Just just bring Kyle Edwards on for Wes Burns and make sure Burns stays fit because Burns have been brilliant and sort of it's no slight in his performance. But we don't need to risk players when they've got a potential injured Achilles when they're, when they're managing that problem because we've got such quality on the bench and you just need to, we, we need to make sure we use that sometimes because he kept going to the bench and speaking to Cook and it's like, just bloody get him off. If, if, he'd have, if he'd have got injured today, it would have been sort of real negligence, I think, from the sort of yeah. managerial and sort of fitness staff to have, to, have not get, to have not got him off because he just needed to come off. And I see he had Sonia Luco and Kyle Edwards on the bench who could both come on and do a more than good job at this. Let's just have a look at those um, fixtures then coming up because we've all, you know, we always talk about two points per game and we've just got two points per game from the previous five. But admittedly, these next five, um, maybe you'd be okay with nine or eight. I know some of our fans won't. They, you know, they're, they're going to want to see win, 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 win all the way, all the way up the table. But let's just get a, a, a kind of heads around this. So Cambridge. Um, away who are below us in the table obviously um then Pompey away within the space of um the sort of four days there 
Fleetwood at home. So that's a three-game week where you could pad the points total for these five games with then a week off. And this is hard. Down to Plymouth on the Saturday. We've just gone top of the table today. And then Wickham on the on the Tuesday. Um, how do you see those five then, um, Joe? I know you took... took Talk about 10 points would be lovely, but you need to win three of the games. Um, well, you've, you, you've, you look at it there, and if you were to break it down into chunks of five games, you've got to beat Cambridge and you've got to beat Fleetwood. And you win those two games and all of a sudden that five points, As that five games isn't a disaster if you win those two. Agreed. And then you then try and pick up a win and a draw from the other three games. And if you can do that, you look at it and 10 points, yeah. Or even if you picked up two or three draws from that, I think you'd be happy you'd be happy enough with that over the next five games. But you've, like I say, it's it's why it's so important to win the the games that on paper you should win. You've, you've got to beat Cambridge, you've got to beat Fleetwood. Otherwise, you just make it so difficult. You heap so much pressure on yourself. And then, because if you beat Cambridge, you get a point at Portsmouth, you beat um, Fleetwood, you go to Plymouth in sort of a good run of sort of four unbeaten, a good points thing. And you've got, you've got that bit more confidence. And then, that the pressure then goes on to them if they're still top of the league, but they've got to try and beat you. And that, that should play into our hands if it does that. But Wickham away on that Tuesday night, I'm not looking forward to. That is <laughs> going to be a brutal welcome back to League One. I know I know they've been to the Championship and they're back in League One, but at, at their place, that is just not going to be fun. Well, what do you think, Rich? You're going all in on that first three-game week. I tend to agree with, with Joe. You look for three wins across the five and the best options are clearly those first three games, but two away games is the first two of the, I know Joe's uh, complained about this on the pod before. Although we had, we had three in a week, once in a three game week, didn't we? Joe was outraged that in the championship, I think we lost all of them. Um, We've but had you going... home games this season though, haven't we? So we are, we need to yeah, win some away ones. Uh, yeah. What are you saying, Rich? Yeah, I, I agree with Cambridge. I, I just think it's going to be very tough. I can see Eric Clacton in the comments talking about how, how, Big the game is going to be for Cambridge and their fans. You know that even the friendly games, as we've had sendings off and fighting in pre-season with Cambridge, haven't we? So the idea that it's going to be it's going to be a walk in the park, I think, is is a bit of a, is going to get a bit of reality check there. But I, I agree with Joe that there's there's literally no excuses anymore in terms of if if we want anything for the season, we can't be thinking twice about going there and trying to win. Portsmouth's form up and down pretty poor actually and then they turned Sunderland over 4-0 didn't they we so it's a, very, Park, it's a different proposition there isn't it and it's just a, it's just a shame that all of the tough games really are away from home but we have I I, I shudder to to raise this Ben because you and I like the narrative don't we I just the put narrative... the home table up in the background there Rich sorry there go. Go, mate, yeah continue continue on your point in a sec it, but yeah Plymouth um have 15 points from seven at home and are undefeated. Wickham have a 100% record at home. Uh, where is Pompey in there? Um, yeah, 10 points from five. We've just been, if we're going to bang on about us getting 10 points from five, we should mention that Pompey have got 10 points from five um, yeah. at home. So far. Sorry, Rich, continue your thoughts. No, no. Uh, what, what I was going to say is this: these are our first run of games against what you would class as superior opposition in League One. You know, we've we've largely had what I would suggest is mid mid table to lower mid table teams, haven't we? And uh, we've at times been found wanting, and at other times they've done what is expected of us. It'll be really interesting to see if it's up against a team like Plymouth. 
that will be a, a you know a test of our credentials because Plymouth, good footballing team, arguably punching above their weight, but obviously they're on they're on merit in, in respect of results. But two teams that will try to attack each other. It'll be just in, interesting to see where we how we rank against those teams. You know, when when it's like today, I think it's more of a struggle for us. You know, to break teams down. Um, I wonder whether we might have more joy against the teams who are who are likely to attack us a bit more, like Plymouth, counter-attacking options with Selena and you know the pace we've got with Edwards in the team um, and Bond's physicality might might work well for us. I I, I don't know, but yeah, it, you do look at those away games against the top teams and you do shudder a little bit at the moment. Well, uh, away from home, things have got to get better. Like last year, about say when Cook came in, we we lost to Northampton badly, we lost to AFC Wimbledon badly. We drew with Rochdale. We had a really poor record. I think we beat Swindon at the end of the season, but other than that, it was poor. And then this year, we've gone to Burton. We've gone... We've yeah, only... I've just brought it up, Joe. Only Crew, Shrewsbury and Doncaster have fewer points away yeah. from home, although we have played two games fewer than but, a few Like games. I said, we, last year, we had a really poor away record under Cook. I think it was like three draws, four defeats and a and a win. This year, it's like I say, Burton lost, um, Cheltenham lost. Lincoln won, Accrington lost. Well, maybe we, we can look at that and maybe say, well, Lincoln are probably the best of those four sides and we actually got a result there. So maybe that game played into us a bit more than going there into a, into a sort of... like Because Burton were a very physical side. I was at that game. Cheltenham, obviously, they had bent over on the long throw and we struggled to deal with that. And Accrington just bullied us sort of from start to finish. Well, in the second half especially, they just bullied us there. Not through physicality, but just pressing, getting in our faces and... So they weren't. It's not like people talk about like a long ball team launching into us. Like that was sort of what the Cheltenham game was. But Accrington weren't. They they just sort of being cliche. They just wanted it more than us. And mm. we've got to, we've got to go to these grounds. And we've got to turn up. And we've got to, and we've got to, we've got to want it as much as the other team do. And then see off the first twenty minutes, half an hour, and then grow into the game and then let our quality show at that point. But you've got to earn the right to play. Absolutely. That mental fragility is still there as well. We saw it even today. Uh, we we? Did. Before you came on, we already did 10 minutes on that mental fragility. That's not going anywhere fast, that himself it? after the game as well, so he's he's aware of it. Yeah, but you, it's, but you this can is see a... These teams Go on, Rich, sorry. So I was, I was going to say, you can see, especially away at these teams that, you know, you look up the league table and there they are. I just wonder whether this is a team that is going to dig in and try and get something out of it or just... You know, going to damage limitation. I, I quote the great David Diamond: um, "We're soft, Ben. We're soft, and that is a, a long-held view and problem that I struggle to describe." And just quickly, those of you watching on YouTube will see in the background here. My, I went to a laboratory and got my FIFA stats properly measured. Came out at ninety-two. You'll be pleased to see. But Richard, we Thank have you. a um, a giveaway where you can win a copy of this computer game. Would you like to tell us all about it, Rich? Yeah, FIFA 22 has, uh, has come out on the on the PlayStation 1 and the Nintendo 64, I think. Um, and so to mark that momentous occasion, uh, we have a copy of the game on Xbox One to give away. The details are on our Twitter account, but I can divulge them here. Um, you, all we need you to do is follow our Twitter. And if you don't follow our Twitter, why not? Um, you need to um, give us a retweet of the tweet that's uh, the competition tweet. And you need to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And again, why wouldn't you already be subscribing to our wonderful YouTube channel? Um, and we will announce the winner next week. We probably might do it on the pre-match show, but we will certainly tweet it out there. And we will pick someone randomly um, using Guinevere, the team selection machine. And uh, good luck to everyone involved. Give it a retweet, tell your friends. And um, yeah, 
Sarcasm like, incoming from Fares. I can see it if, on his face. Look at him. If you're one of the people desperate for a FIFA game who's sitting there saying, where's your YouTube channel? How do we find it? You're probably not, <laughs> not going to be randomly selected. <laughs> yeah. We so unnecessary. Used, we shouldn't have used that FIFA 22 hashtag, by the way. But if anyone new subscribers are watching, having you know, oh, joined in from the FIFA competition, hello to you. You're very welcome. Right, we're going to go a couple more minutes. Um, I can see a couple more questions in here, which we can take. Obviously, Michael's asking me to sing. Um, You've got to fight for the right... I only know those words of that song. You've got to fight to the right. Oh, you've got it wrong. The party. Can we get some foreigner? Oh, yes, you you can. Hey, I, I, I didn't embarrass myself on that gig. I'm very not match fit as a musician at the moment, but um, there we go. Uh, right. Um, I'm sorry, I know Noel's had a couple, but it's a good question. Um, is it just me or is the standard in League One this season so much higher? Um, I'm a big believer that that is true, um, Richard, and it's not just this season. It's um, it's, it's been building, as um, as I call it, the place... Former Premier League clubs go to die. Yeah, I, I, look at uh, MK Dons is a great example. Look at MK Dons, Liam Manning, manager of the month, I think, for September in, in League One. And MK Dons has, has been a team that has, has tried to do the right things um, for the last few years and, and maybe is now having a bit of success. But I'd, I'd argue that their f- fundamentals, their philosophy is a lot clearer than the philosophy potentially at teams like Ipswich, maybe Sunderland before that. I think a lot of teams come down and think, if I've got a better roster than most of the teams in the division, I get promoted. And I actually think there's a lot of really excellent coaches. There's a lot of excellent teams who are happy to put in the hours with the research, the analytics, are happy to establish a philosophy, are happy to build a team and are given the time to do it. And I actually think we're seeing a lot of teams coming to kind of the, the peak of their powers, I'd class and Rich, MK mix them with the traditional Pompey, Oxford, Ipswich, yeah. Sunderland, and, and there I, you go. Yeah. I, I think I think on on Rich's point there, I think there's certain teams that haven't really got the time to come up with a philosophy at this level. Ipswich can't sit there and say this is a mm. three year plan to get out of this league. Like neither can Sunderland. Milton Keynes can, and yeah. Sunderland can't, and Sheffield Wednesday can't. And whilst it may take them three years or more more to get out of the league, in in our case, but really this is our first attempt at it we can't be like Oxford or Milton Keynes and Lincoln and try and build something slowly because the the place where we need to build something slowly is in the championship to try and get back to the Premier League but we've got to get back there first and hmm. like I say you see these teams like I say Milton Keynes are fucking brilliant when we even when we Bolton Joe under oh, ever. Well, yeah Bolton and I'd say they, they were they looked from what I heard they were impressive again at Sheffield Wednesday today they didn't win they but they're going to be there or thereabouts to the playoffs. And there or thereabouts. There's a lot like of teams that. that will be. Morecambe like scored us this season. You know, they've got good positive momentum from their promotion last season as and well. And that's with a brand new manager and a brand new yep. squad, really. There. Yep. And, yeah, they've looked sharp. They're above us in the league. And yeah, they, they probably aren't going to get into the top six, but they're not going to, be, they're good, they're not going to go down. Let's try and get through another couple of um, questions. Let's go to Joseph on this one. Uh, we've Cook. Expressing his dissatisfaction tonight. We're we about to see some permanent changes to the first team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure we are, are we, Joe? I don't think so. No, I, I think he just wants those playing to do better to improve that their was mentality. HCH. Sorry, I'll just give him a shout out. And, 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 sorry, I, and I think the, the, these guys have the shirts at the moment, and, and it's up to them to prove that they can't get the mentality. If, like I say, if we end up with a another Accrington performance next week, and then at that point maybe maybe it goes from there, and we try and push on, but. I don't think there's going to be sweeping changes. 
You have to let me take this one from Aaron because I can go off on a big rant now. Uh, Aaron, who quite reasonably asks, uh, what are your views on people getting impatient with the team passing it around the back? Surely it's better than making uh, rash decisions. Um, Aaron, you will never stop football fans yelling silly stuff at the um, football stadium. Uh, Obviously, we do believe in free speech on the Blue Monday (laughs) podcast. So anyone who buys a ticket and wants to shout, get rid of it, get it forward. Uh, is perfectly entitled to do so. I hope football players are um, good enough in terms of shutting that out. I was actually at Fulham for Scott Parker's first home game, sat in front of... Um, That's what you pay yeah, the money a, for at Fulham, isn't it? A, a couple of um, a couple of fans who, yeah, would, would like to have seen the ball literally fired into the box at every point. So, yeah, yeah um, I, I wouldn't worry. Um, I wouldn't no, worry the, too much about it. The, the only thing I'd say about that is, in this, in, at the end of the first half today, it was, there is a line of knocking the ball long all the time and passing it at the back. And it was just passing for passing's sake. And we weren't going anywhere with it. And somebody needed to do something. I think Cray texted into the group. At some point, somebody... Somebody needs to be told you have to actually try and take a man out of the game here. You have because... to beat a man or play through the lines. Don't yeah, you? And, yeah. And, it, and it was. I think the crowd did need to fire them up a little bit, and I think it probably helped the crowd doing that because by the time sort of Cook went into the change room, he was quite clear what the crowd were thinking and what he was thinking about it. Yeah, Mikey you're, you're tra- very, you're very right, Joe. There's there's grades of um there's grades of it, Rich, isn't there? Yeah, I was I was going to say Mikey tried to get um folk shouting hoof it. And, and then, <laughs> Get rid and, of then it. and then slagging players off for, for, for passing it around the back into Room 101. I think he lost on the vote. Well, Richard, in terms of our Room 101 things, we've had a corner played to the near post resulting in a goal today. Nice. And um, a player playing at number 10, following in the number nine to score a goal in the in the wake of uh, lots of people wanting a front too. So, um, yeah, Room, room 101's in, in for a bit of a struggle um, today, isn't it? Right. I think we are all there. What we would love you to do is give us your feedback on, particularly after home games, uh, this show, you know, going live and we can tune into your um, your either distaste or elation um, immediately after the fact. And um, if, there's a, if there's a want to do it, we will always listen to our um, audience. And if we can um, sum up the numbers and... Um, us losers don't have anything better to do at 7pm on a Saturday night. I don't have to run up Spring Road every week. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back here. Joe said he beeped at you on the way home. He Richard. did. That... I, 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 I tuned into the start, yeah. He was swerving all over the shop, Ben. It was crazy. <laughs> I had to dive out of the way. He'll be on dash cam somewhere. Um, fairs, won't he? Look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pad this and only read the positive comments. Love it live, Charlie. says Charlie. Um, Andres, um, Andres, love the live show. There we go. What um, I mentioned earlier in the show was what are people thinking for the free behind the stripe at the moment? Where, where are we on that? Rich? As in what personnel would I pick? Yeah. I still quite like Fraser. I feel like I'm I'm in the kind of minority here. But I, I, I suspect it, if, if it was ideal, I would be having Edwards on the left, Salir in the middle and Burns on the right. To me, that's... A no-brainer configuration. Yeah, I, I think I'd be going um, Selena on the left, Chaplin in the middle with Burns on the right at the moment. Yeah, I'm just not really sold on Chaplin yet, even though he had a, a good enough game today. I feel like he's like the Cook's boys, but maybe I'm being harsh. I like Edwards. Interesting. Though. I suspect if we if we went to um, if we sampled 100 people in the mm. fabled words of Les Dennis, you'd <laughs> probably get um, 
a very actually it might be a good poll actually rich maybe yeah. we'll do it on on uh, on twitter yeah. but can i go back to the comment that came in earlier isn't it lovely to have two players over oh. two players for each of those positions off the front right um james says there you go is a england are one up if is that that all? Cody, back him to score is that all i, I don't know um yeah <laughs> right thank you everybody for watching um joe where can we find you on twitter um and at joe fairs and what what sort of stuff can people expect from you on on Twitter, Bans. Joe? Hashtag Just Bans, g- general bants. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, uh, where can we find you, you on Twitter? And um, what sort of stuff can people expect from you, Richard? Uh, I, I like talking about um, about politics. Um, I, oh, I work in the energy sector, so come and chat to me about that. <laughs> no, don't please don't. Um, I post football goals from years gone by and stuff about. There football you go. Shows. That, he gave you two reasons not to follow, followed by one very good reason. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about politics as much as I can help it. At Ipswich and also on um, on Instagram. Have we have we mentioned the FSAs? By the way, I can briefly. Talk no, about go that. ahead, go on. Yeah, so uh, we it's always a little bit uncomfortable as kind of asking for your support and stuff, particularly when it comes to awards, which is obviously not why we do this kind of stuff. But but it is the football supporters awards at the moment. We've tweeted the link out. And there's a kind of all kinds of things that you can um, vote on, including pundit of the year, male and female um, footballer of the year, uh, writers of the year, online content, which we would endorse your support for TWTD. But if you want to vote for club podcast of the year, vote for um, Blue Monday. We'd be very grateful for that. There's a little link in a survey monkey and all that stuff. If you feel motivated and, and willing to do that, we'd be very grateful. So thank you very much. There you go. And you can find us um, at Blue Monday ITFC on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, if these shows continue um, after the fact, then TikTok, we don't stop. Um, uh, YouTube uh, is the place. MySpace. Yep. <laughs> what are you doing, Joe? Unbelievable. We are on LinkedIn, though, if you can find us. Oh, we're on I, LinkedIn. I, I there you go. We're on, on every social network. But I would push you towards um, YouTube, um, yes. where you can get involved in, in these live shows um, here. Right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And thank you for listening back after the fact. Um, I was supposed to plug. uh, You can contribute financially if you really, really do feel like a lovely person. Um, All the details are on Twitter, Acast um, supporter feature. Anyway, say goodbye, Joe Fares. Goodbye, Joe Fares. Deary me. Let's see see if Richard can not. I'm excited after a few beers, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) I've had three. After you finished driving, obviously. Um, I had one strandy and drove home. There you go. Beautiful. Um, right. How, how can I phrase this so Richard won't mock me? Um, say farewell to the listeners, Richard. Goodbye, Joe Fares. <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm trying to find the outro, actually. There you go. Right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you um, on Wednesday with another show, no doubt. Bye-bye. <laughs>